Oh, I keep forgetting to say it to fucking talk. Number four is her. It's a woman. Her. <laughs> Yo. I saw this when I was like 14 in the theater. And I'm like, man, romance is hard. And I came out of this and you're like, yeah, it's right. And I'm just going to be depressed for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't think a film has ever understood romance as well as this. Just this. There is such like a maturity to this that I can come back and just love. And fun fact, I also wrote an essay about this movie about like the language of love in film and how that's changed over time. I think this is like. Internet is good. Thing. Everyone's. There you go. And okay, so the thing with her is that it's kind of overrated, and uh, who gives a shit about this movie? It's about a girl guy who's in love with his cell phone, and uh, like he just can't stop kissing his phone. Jake, Anybody Canadian play? fuck. Uh, <laughs> we we're just talking about how much we like Jexy better. <laughs> Brian, Brian? Uh, I. This I, I think this this is a very mature topic of love like the conversation about love that I, I I find myself just drawn towards uh, the idea of just adult relationships and everyone sort of questioning how he can love Samantha the way he does and he's just like I don't know I just love her and I think I I just think it's beautiful how there is someone who by all means shouldn't work and even like, the rest of the characters call him out on that. Even, especially Rooney, Rooney Mara. Like, there are two great films in the 2010s where, where Rooney Mara plays a where plays an asshole ex who is absolutely right about everything she says. We're just like, how can you fall in love with someone who was made to serve you? Like, she is not a human. She's literally there to cater to your whim. And he's just like, I don't know. And I think that, like, I, I'm not entirely on his side in the arguments. But I think, I think Spike Jones created just, like, such a beautiful, like, love letter to love. How every character experiences it differently and see how it affects them. And then you come to the end of the film where it's truly like the idea of, um, oh, I, I forget if this is a Shakespeare quote of someone in general, but just like the idea of better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. And every character is just dealing with that. And just that this, this culmination at the end of the film, just like, yeah, we need to sit that we thought we found someone and we lost them forever. And just the pain of that's love. I this is perfection. Also, shout out to Spike Jones, who's in the film as just this weird CGI character, just a little dickhead who curses all the time. Like you can have your movies that make me want to cry my eyes out and like, like hate download Tinder again. But then he just be like, yeah, fuck you, shit. Hey, you'll fucking fuck fuck. And he's just cinema perfection. Uh, this movie's alright. I have to watch it again. I've, I've only seen it once. It's been a while. Um, I like the aesthetic of it. I love just like that, like view of the future, like just the way it looks and the way it feels. Um, and it's low key kind of terrifying and like a Terminator prequel kind of way. Just like the, <laughs> the, when you think about like the consequences of what happens, like it's not great. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, Spike Jones is the perfect person to tell this kind of story um, where it's just kind of ludicrous, but within the world, it makes sense. Um, 
but I do need to rewatch it just to get kind of like the nuance and just, you know, more of the story. Um, but again, I'm not going to say it's a great number four pick, but it's a, it's a decent movie. Everybody else on her. Don't care about this movie. And I haven't seen it. Wow. Uh, I love this movie. Um, Hell yeah. And I agree with Kurt that visual, visually, this is another one of those movies where I'm like, this is what every movie should look like. Like the color grading, the world and everything. Like it is pleasing to look at. It is very pleasing to look at it. You know, the whole thing just has a nice chill vibe to it. Um, but also these really deep, intense emotions are going on. And I love seeing Joaquin Phoenix play a really warm, open hearted character um, because I think he's really good at doing it. And people forget that he is good at doing it because he plays a lot of sickos. Um, but check him out and come on, come on, which just came out. Um because it's another example of where he plays a really warm-hearted character. And, yeah, I'll piggyback on the uh, controversial take that Scarlett Johansson should have at least been considered for Oscar uh, consideration. Didn't she She has chemistry. She wasn't even in the original cast. She was the second pick, and she still fucking rocks that. Was it Samantha Martin? Am I remembering correctly? I think so, yeah. I think that's right, yeah. From Minority Report, the one that scared my brother out of the theater when she yelled... Run! And I was like, <laughs> Also from John Carter. Rue. Right. Uh, Rue, what is your number Thank four? You. Is that your All number four? <laughs> Definitely not my Ru, number four. Rue, I love you and I'm in love with you. Uh, not my number four, but uh, for the third time in my top 20, the best fantasy epic ever, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. This motherfucker, don't miss. This movie is everything from the quieter uh, moments with Sam and Frodo, um, Andy, Andy Circus talking to himself, uh, um, freaking Gollum and Smeagol talking to himself is, is, was just a hilarious and heartbreaking scene in the theaters. I know, I know Kirk hates them, but I love the Ents. I love everything about the Ents. Um, you you don't you don't like I think it was you who said it slows the movie down. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I don't know. Um, but the ends for me are one of my favorite things about the film. Um, I love the 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 final um, fight of the ends against Isengard. Um, but just in general, being able to follow um, Aragorn, Legolas, and and Gimli as they track Marion Pippin. That entire storyline, bringing in a whole new race of of humans in Rohan and making it just so impactful and and, and just building, continuing to build the world to show that it's not just people walking. Um, I I don't know what else to say about this movie, just that it is amazing outside of the fact that Helm's Deep is the best action sequence to ever be put on film. Uh, Game of Thrones tried, wanted to do Helm's Deep when they did the Battle of Winterfell. Winterfell, and they failed miserably. That action sequence is just sit down, eat your popcorn, and love every single second that is on film. It is the just everything you love about Lord of the Rings. It is at its peak here, um, and I I a hundred percent love this movie to death. It's it's just so damn good. 
Yeah, I think you have me confused with somebody else because the Ents are my absolute favorite thing about the entire trilogy. Yeah, I, um, I don't remember. Somebody somebody critiqued yeah. that before, so whoever it was, yeah. fuck you, the Ents are beautiful. <laughs> no, I, my biggest complaint about this movie and the trilogy in general is that I want more Ents because uh, I love like <laughs> them in the battle at the end. They are, that, they're, they're so much fun. Um, yeah, I gave my take on the trilogy in general last week. Like, I respect these movies a lot more than I like them. Um, I'd never, you know, criticize anybody for putting them in the top 10 or calling them their favorite movies because uh, they're definitely worth it. Again, it's just not – I don't have that connection to them. Uh, this one in particular I think does a lot right. Um, the – yeah, the Battle Helms Deep is great, and the build-up to it is really good. Like, they do a great job selling what's about to happen. Um, just the introduction of, like, the Urukai and everything and uh, – just you know them not the introduction but just the, what they you know them in this in, going in that battle uh is is really really a lot of fun um sp- splitting the party is kind of i think kind of slows it down a little bit uh but you still great like you know the introduction of golem and uh just his kind of arc through this movie um is really cool and you know andy circus obviously is really great uh it's a, somebody to give him an oscar nomination somewhere please yeah but um yeah i mean this movie does a lot right but again, like i said it just these movies in general don't connect for me this one probably probably is my second favorite but I, they all kind of blend together i really don't have a, a, a standout favorite for it but um a lot of fun in this one uh yes i do holtzman uh everybody else on two towers this actually used to be my top 100. I uh, used to love this. And then I realized, no, it's just because it was a lot better than double featuring it with Return, than with Return of the King and Fellowship, which is ass. It's good. What? It's number two of the trilogy. I think Return of the King is a pretty good movie. This one is good, but not great. Don't like Middle Earth. Uh, I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did, but I like it a lot less now. So three stars with a bullet. Uh, I will say for the third time in this series, uh, Middle Earth is the reason, number one reason, I am not in fandom. Yeah, I, I, I've uh, rewatched this movie recently. I, uh, I'm I'm not a a huge fan of the uh, John Noble Brad Dorif storyline with the Mad King, even though I'm a huge Brad Dorif fan, especially in the uh child's play uh franchise i i i just find that whole um i find that storyline extremely one-dimensional and i feel like when you compare it to something like game of thrones and the way that they handle politics it's just aged so poorly in in comparison to that where it's just like oh yeah this like king is under the mind control of an evil wizard and it and his um his second in command is is working in leagues with this evil it's just there's there's not much there uh and it takes up what is bernard Bernard hill john noble comes in the third one second what they add for Grima Worm Tongue in the extended edition is makes it a lot better. Worm Tongue is fucking Saruman die. Like it's a failure. Like that's just shit. Like it's bad it's editing. A, that story. Worm Tongue is fine. It's John Noble. He's the um the friend the guy from Fringe, right? Is that what we're he's thinking in the, of? He's he's in the third one. Bernard Hill is uh, Thayden. 
I believe that the king who Wormtongue is speaking to, isn't that John Noble? Am that I is not? Bernard, that is Bernard Hill. You're talking to me. Okay. Don't question yeah, me on this thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I just looked it up. I was like, what's the actor's name? Okay. Hopefully I never face you in trivia yeah. on Bernard the, Hill. The... His name is Bernard Hill. I will say this to be fair though, Game of Thrones is about politics and these movies necessarily aren't. So I I, I think that's an apples to orange comparison. That's what game um, better. But uh, well, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, Jake, what is your number four? It is actually John Noble. Uh, my number four <laughs> is Key Two. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, T Two. Oh, oh, I I meant um, Train Spotting Two. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I don't think you did. <laughs> Coho, come in and say something snarky. Come on. <laughs> Where's my Coho? Okay, T2. I actually did mean T2 Judgment Day. Okay. My uh, uh, dad was a big Arnold guy. And uh, like he was into like bodybuilding. And that's that's kind of my gateway into movies, honestly. He had like a, a gym. And in his gym, he had a bunch of movies and like there was like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and stuff. And then he had like this this big holographic case and it just had like this like a uh, Terminator like metal face holographic on this big cardboard thing. And you take it out and it had like the behind the scenes and stuff. So uh, Terminator uh, was a very, very, very special franchise for me to learning that like, hey, Movies aren't so scary. It's just a bunch of fake shit, you know. Like I get to watch these like very like um, scary movies and 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 watch the behind the scenes and see. Oh no no no! Don't worry. There's a camera and 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 it's all fake. Don't worry, Jake. It's all ketchup. I used to just say that. I used to repeat that. It's all ketchup. Uh, <laughs> the blood. Um, so when it's hard to talk about Terminator 2 without talking about Terminator 1, which I feel my take on Terminator 1 is that it is basically a slasher movie in the vein of Halloween and um, of Jason, the Friday the 13th movies, where uh, James Cameron was clever enough to come up with this workaround where he was like, what if it's a robot from the future that's come back and that's why he's indestruct indestructible? And... Uh, so uh, he got to make this elaborate science fiction franchise on a shoestring budget by saying like, no, there's just one piece of science fiction technology that's come back to our time. And basically reverse engineering from there, he had to make a sequel. And the sequel is incredible. It, it, it couldn't have worked out better. It plays to everyone's strengths. Linda Hamilton is fucking horrifying in this movie uh as uh this person who has just been shocked by the trauma of the future that we see in the prologue of this movie the the prologue we see a a uh t400 uh, uh like turn to the camera and look directly at us in the eye with the da -da 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 -da. and we're just like fuck if you're not doing everything in your power to stop this future from happening then you are, are are morally incorrect. And then when when we actually see her in the present day with the psychologist who's uh, from the first movie, from the low budget, like the, the, the first movie from uh, 1984, and he's transitioned into this like almost comic relief character 
where he's just like, ah, yeah, she's batshit crazy. And it, it, it works up perfectly. And as much as we know that she is correct and the Terminators are a real threat, she is very scary in this movie. When you, her muscles are scary. Her veins are scary. I think about her veins when I think about this movie. And uh, yeah, just the, 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 the trust that it took for uh, Linda Hamilton to transform from this very soft waitress who only had a moment of hardness in that first movie where she said, get on your feet, soldier. And like, I fucking cry when I watch that moment in, in the first Terminator movie because I know what's coming in the second. That is her in the second Terminator movie. And they know. And they trust Arnold to be this warm comic character. They trust Jake Cameron knew that Arnold could do all this comedy and warmth to connect with John Connor and be the, the soul of this movie. And it, it shouldn't have worked. None of this should have worked. Like it should have been impossible to, to transfer all the horror from the first movie. And I, I, I could talk about this movie all day, Kirk. I'm sorry. Just go on. What do you think, Kirk? Do you love right, this movie yeah. as much as I do? It's also on my list. All right, good. I'll be short. I wish I didn't sorry, know the sorry. twist of like, short, like Arnold being the hero of the film. I missed the um, like the actual like amazingness of the get down and shooting Robert, Robert Patrick in the face. That is thank you. Like, yeah. like here's the thing. We we all hype up like a thumbs up. Yeah, that's amazing. That scene would have blown my fucking mind in the 90s. Like, the villain's a hero now? And I love fucking how they had to, like, had to, like, casualize Arnold. I think him just be, hit, like, John Connor, like, teaching him how to just be human is great. Because I'm just like a, hey, human. Like, it, it could be a lot more sappy. No, it's just like a, hey, I'm a teenager. This shit's cool. And he's like, rad. Or whatever, whatever the thing is. It's just, it's very natural. I think, I think uh, a lot of people don't like, um, Fucking the kid. I broke for long. I really love him. Like I, I think he, I think he really understands. Just like kid in the '90s who's too cool for this shit, and I think he gives. I think he does that great. They almost didn't cast him because he was. It, it was too. They were looking for a more traditional child actor, and then they were just like, "No, nah, this kid gets it." It's, it's yeah. a weird thing. Um, I think comparing the movie, yeah, the, comparing the two movies, Apples and Oranges, because the first one is just like. Uh, basically a horror movie and this one's you know very something very different um but yeah that idea like imagine if like the sequel to, and because we're so used to now like there have been so many more movies where arnold is the good guy where we we just see that character is the good guy but you go what that you go back now and watch that first movie like he is evil in that movie and just imagine if like the second friday the 13th movie is like oh jason Voorhees, or i guess the timeline the, the third the third Friday the 13th movie, Jason Voorhees is the good guy now. You know how weird that was. Yes. And just how shocking. And that's basically what they did. Well played. Um, they, took, they took the monster and made him the, the hero and you know, just a completely different character. And I think a lot of that had to do with the the, the evolution of Arnold's career and you know what he was capable of, be, uh, of being as an actor and what he was what was expected of him as an actor, I think, had a lot to do with that. Um, but yeah, but it's still great. the most expensive movie of all time. They had to evolve it to the most expensive movie of all time at that time. Yeah, uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton's great. I think like her transformation, like you said, Jake, uh, just what, what she becomes uh, in that movie, 
versus the first one is is great. The effects are awesome. Like this is where they invented the the the, the morphine effects that we kind of take for granted now. Um, but it was really it just just what they do with that T one thousand is pretty awesome. So yeah, uh, very solid movie. One of, I I think if not the one of the best action movies of the nineties. Uh, Scott and Rue on T two. Uh, this movie is really, really, really good. Um, I actually, I really like Edward Furlong in the role. Um, cause he made me hate him as the bratty little kid. And then made me really like him when you see, oh, all the, the, the father son ish moments between him and, uh, T 800, um, Linda Hamilton complete turnaround from the first movie. And she is, um, almost, almost as badass as Ripley. Um, and but she kills it in her own way. I really like Joe Morton in this film. Um, and Robert Patrick is menacing as fuck. Uh, great movie. Him coming off of the the floor or whatever in the hospital, like when the cop is there at the, the vending machine, like that is one of the greatest images in, in any action movie. Um, I mean, still to this day, right? Like the effects hold up, you know, perfectly. And... Yeah, I totally agree with Jake that like the it's really forward thinking that they let like Sarah Connor be like this damaged and like ha- like honestly kind of harsh and unlikable character at the start of this movie. That as a woman, they let her be that and yet still be the protagonist and her- heroine of the movie. Um, I think that it was very ahead of its time in that regard. And in a lot of other regards, it's absolutely belongs in that canon of greatest action movies. All right. Uh, number four, Scott had before sunset, Spence had her, Rue had two towers mm-hmm. and Jake had Terminator two. What was the best number four? Let us know in the chat and let's go on to Scott's number three. We all have a favorite Christmas gift. And in 2019, I received my favorite favorite Christmas when Little Women was released. Whoa. (laughs) And 11 viewings later, here we are at my number three movie of all time. Um, I can't deny it. I know some people may say it's too recent. It's too soon. How can you have this after less than two years? I've seen the movie 11 times, people. I've seen it as much as just about any movie on my list uh and there's just no movie that gives me as good of vibes at the end of it as this does like the pure joy with which i am filled after watching this movie is not is unparalleled with any other movie like i legit just start like tearing up at like just random moments now like not even emotional moments in the movie just because that's how much i love the characters and just the feel of this movie and how much the movie loves the characters. Um, The decision to, you know, tell the story in this way with like the past and present moments, you know, putting them alongside each other in a way that had never been done before in an adaptation of Little Women, like, is genius. And if this isn't like the definition of a best adapted screenplay, like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, like of all the Oscars, of course I would have given this movie all the Oscars that year, but like of all the ones that it deserved and did not win, adapted screenplay is easily number one on the list, especially when you consider what did win. But that's a whole nother thing. Um, like this is the definition of what you want in an adapted screenplay. It takes material that everybody knows that has been filmed, you know, a billion times before and makes it something new, makes it something modern, makes it something more powerful than it's ever been. 
all of the performances are <laughs> all of the performances okay sure uh, all the performances are pitch perfect um I, I, this is my Joker moment. What is happening right now? But um, all of the performances are pitch perfect. Like Florence Pugh gives, um, you know, is easily the best Amy. Gives, you know, this character new dimensions that you know had never been seen in a previous adaptation. Um, her re relationship with Laurie and Timothy Chalamet is like one of the most resonant resonant parts of the movie for me. I love that scene where they're together in the studio where she's painting and just like the little things that you pick up on. And I think the movie, you do have to rewatch it in order to, to fully appreciate it because you are just trying to keep up to some extent the first time. But once you rewatch it, you can see the, you know, again, the act of acts of witchcraft that Greta Gerwig was doing stitching together, um, you know, every little, the importance of every little line and image um, like, you know, when Laurie says to, to her at the end of that scene, he's like, you look beautiful. And then he takes a pause and he's like, you are beautiful. Like that, just that little change in dialogue is like shows his maturity as a character. And that's the moment where, you know, well, hey, there's going to be something here in that, this relationship. And, you know, another example is like the way that we see Beth's death conveyed. You know, there's the paralleling scenes of like when she comes down the stairs and Joe comes down the stairs. The first time Marmy turns around and Beth is there and, oh, she's great. She survived through the night. Second time it happens when you're in the present. Marmy turns around. Beth's not there. They don't need to say anything, right? Nothing has to be said. No lines of dialogue. Laura Dern doesn't have to be like, oh, she's gone. You know, because of how, you know, brilliant Greta Gerwig, like, sets it up. It's show, not tell filmmaking. There's so much of that in the movie. Um yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Like, um, to fully appreciate this movie, uh, or for me to get my full thoughts on it, we would have to do what no one would ever want, which is to sit down and watch this movie and just let me like point out all the things I love about it. No one would ever want to do that, but that's where I am at the movie at this point. It's I can't deny. I would be lying to myself if I did not put it this high on the list, despite it being recent. I'd want to do that with you, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is. I mean it. I think I've only seen this movie twice. Um, it's been on in my house at least 11 times, probably more. This is Kathy and my daughter's go-to movie. Uh, this is, I think I got to check her letterbox page. I think this is still my daughter's favorite movie. Hell yeah, Kathy. Um, but I, I like it. Uh, I think it's, there's some really good things about it. Uh, it's really solid things. There's some things that I'm not. I can't believe that of all the great performances, movie Florence Pugh is the one who got nominated for an Oscar because she's without a doubt the worst thing about this movie. Um, everybody <laughs> else is pretty good. Um, her trying to be a 12 year old girl is ridiculous and just completely sucks me <laughs> out of it. Um, but yeah, she yeah. Um, but uh, Shorsha's great, of course. Everybody else, you know, Laura Dern's really good. Um, but yeah, I like it. Um, I think I may need to rewatch a couple more times to get everything that you're getting out of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a solid pick. Oh, you holds me. You're welcome. Uh, everybody else on Little Woman. And the thing is, like, I don't know this story. Like, I've never read the book. I've never seen any other. This is the first movie I've seen of this. So I don't really have anything to compare it to. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, so, but I thought it was, it was pretty good. Uh, everybody else on Little Woman. But Kurt. Yeah. But 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 Kurt, these are my little women. 
this movie is like insanely good. I'm, I'm glad your family reacted to it the way you did because, like, when I came out of the theater when I watched it for the first time, my my and I stand by it. My thesis for this is for this is if I have a daughter, I want to raise her on this movie. Because to me, this, yes. like, this, this is, if, this I is son, most, if I have a son, I'm gonna raise her. On this movie. Like, this, yeah. this is just the most most like wholehearted, just like love for family. Like, like movie that I can get into. Just like it's, it's not like it's fucking fast and furious. Where you're like, we need to talk about family all the time. It's just, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the joy and the pain of what you have, of what you have to do when growing up. And I think that's just beautiful. It's the first version of the women I've seen. So maybe Cameron Holtzman and all his Canadian wisdom will be like, actually, here's why it doesn't work in this version. And he says that and he's fucking wrong. But this is just like such an incredible piece of adaptation of taking the source material and changing its linearity to somehow make it better, which I haven't heard of before. I just fucking Greta Gerwig is McQueen. You can do whatever you want. Go fuck. Go ahead, do Barbie. I don't care. You're amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the all the love you guys are, are giving this and saying, ah, yeah, you want to show your son and daughter uh, this has really hit home. How much I'm like, yeah, like like this has been good. Uh, watching um or talking about these movies with you you guys like. Like, yeah, that's a hundred percent. Like, this is, this is, this is what movies are. <laughs> like, this is what I want. Like, like, um, th- when, when I saw this and, and, uh, just shooting an exterior on film, uh, and I, I could tell they were shooting it on film <laughs> and it was just like, oh, like, Fuck yeah, like someone cares. Like you, you could tell how much Greta Gerwig cared uh about this movie and, and and the love that went into making this movie. And uh and and just hearing both of you say, Oh yeah, like this is what I want my daughter to see, this is what I want my son to see. It's like a hundred per fucking cent. This is why I found this community. This is why I needed to find uh like people who talk about movies like this. Cause yeah, I I this this is a thought that went through my head as I was watching this movie. So yeah, Rue, please tell me you've seen this and you love it. I have not seen one second of any little women ever. <laughs> <laughs> ever. Not please one. Don't. <laughs> please though it's lovely all right uh spence what is your number three rue i hope you've seen this you really should have uh co i know you want to play it so get it ready la la land yes! yeah! i really have a wait a really- minute as he <laughs> <laughs> Rue, no. <laughs> Go ahead, this is. I remember when I pitched to Caleb Bowman, let's do a YLS for movies about movies. He looked at me and said, why do we want to talk about La La Land for the whole episode? Because it's that fucking good. However, when I first watched it, I actually didn't like it. I was a bit underwhelmed. I was like, man, all that for um, for nothing? Fuck this ending. Every time I rewatched it, I get more and more sad. My top ten just makes me fucking cry a lot. Uh, I just... I I think I've said it on the show before. If not, I'm going to repeat it. Um, I 
love movies about romance. Being able to condense your story into two characters who love each other and having the audience fall in love with them. It's just beautiful for me every single time, even trashy ones. And the fact that you're able to do this of just like, not like an anti-romance, but the idea of both characters acknowledging it's not the right time, a different life, different circumstance, and maybe, but them still falling so deeply in love and knowing that while it was nice, it's not the end is so, so like adult in a way that like my young brain can understand. I just think it's beautiful. Emma Stone is fantastic. Ryan Gosling is fantastic. I love every song in here. Even fucking, even John Legend, who should be giving the worst song in the movie, he makes a fire fucking song. Sort of fire. Fantastic. I, this is like, I get why so many fucking uh, 13 year olds are like, I'm going to make movies now because of this. Like, I get it. You're basic as fuck, and you, if you go to LA for the first time because you want to, like, I love this movie, I get it. This is, like, I don't, what, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how the word for it. it. It's like it's like realizing your youth and your age at the at the same time and just falling in love with the world, and I think it's incredible. It's fine. Fuck you. <laughs> um. Oh, come on! This movie's biggest. Minute, 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 minute. I had this. Uh, yikes. Oh, you did. I'm sorry. Okay, good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually, uh, Spence. I, I think you put it beautifully. How hard it is to talk about this movie because it's a hard movie to talk about because it's so uncool to like this movie at this point. It is kind of just uncool to like this movie at this point. Uh, I saw this movie as like a, a third date. Uh, another movie that I, I saw before this with my, um, now wife at the time girlfriend was um. The, ha- the Handmaiden, which is a very sexy movie to see, which was <laughs> we uh, earlier on my list, The Handmaiden. There's uh, lots of scissoring in that movie, which is great if you are uh, just starting a relationship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> no, but um, this one is... Uh, I think I think you said it very well, and I I think the the hardest thing about this movie, the thing that sticks with me the most, is that uh, Ryan Gosling's bar at the end, uh, Sebs, is purely a tribute to Emma Stone, and the uh, the romance that didn't happen in this movie, which is what's so good about it, and what so many people like miss about this movie somehow in a movie that is incredibly unsubtle uh it is incredibly in your face in a movie in a way that i i i respect i i don't need subtlety in in my romance i that is not my definition of romance my definition of romance is in your face and this is how i i i feel and confessional and uh yeah the seb's bar at the end is the fact that it's even called seb's is a suggestion of emma stone's uh earlier in this movie and everything about it ends up being a tribute to emma stone's uh ideas about uh what his uh dreams could be and that's the thing that 
it's a heartbreaking movie when you think about it in that context. She goes there and she sees what could have been if she had taken a different path. And the different path is also um, not to discredit her, whatever path she's on currently, but her alternate path was beautiful and there was so much there and there was children and a, a whole other life for her and um yeah emma stone and ryan gosling's chemistry is very real and their uh, ability to sing and dance is very real even though people bitch about emma stone not being able to sing i'm like she's trying her hardest and that's all the movie is asking for okay <laughs> so that's how i feel about La La Land. that's all i have to say i i don't know what else to say okay um sorry kirk i will say again it's fine um it's i mean i do respect like that idea like i do like movies about relationships that are just like for a time and it's not going to work out um but this movie in a lot of ways is just really derivative a uh, purposely derivative i guess of a lot of other things and my 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 the biggest sin for this movie to me was i walked out of the, i went and saw this movie i walked out of the theater it's a musical if i walk out of your musical i need to be humming your songs singing your songs I could not remember one da, da, song da, da, from this da, movie. Da, da, da. Whoa, 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 whoa. The minute it walked out of the theater, it was gone. Uh, you know, successive rewatches, I've, uh, you know, learned more of it. But like that first theater viewing, I was like, ah, I don't know any of these songs. They're gone already. Um, so that's, I think, the biggest, like the, the worst thing you could say about a musical, really, is that the, the music didn't stick with you. Um, like I said, I don't hate it. Um, I do think it is overrated in a lot of corners. I, I don't, you know, I think it definitely should not have won best picture. Um, I understand why it was nominated. This, this is a perfect Cody Newberry, uh, you know, complaint about Hollywood, you know, being so excited about Hollywood and their movies. But, uh, this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, level Led. Everybody else on level Led. Real. I have Sorry, seen this do you movie. you hear that? I meant to mute it. <laughs> you knock it off uh, mute. You knock it off mute when you hit the mic. Uh, um, I've seen this movie, and I am in the same boat with Kirk. It's fine. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I am so glad Moonlight actually won, because when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, thank God, because it's just, it's it's a musical. Sure. Moonlight's a musical, yeah. I agree. Yes. Uh, normalize that both La La Land and Moonlight are fantastic. Uh, that's Fuck that's yeah. my take. Nice. Uh, it's yeah. Not it was just no. I, fuck Moonlight. <laughs> I love this. No, movie. God, please no. I'm just kidding. Fuck, I love Moonlight. I love this movie. It's really great. I love how old-fashioned it is. It's not afraid to do a freaking five-minute-long tap dance, you know, sequence in a uh, in a mainstream Hollywood movie. Uh, long live Damien Chazelle. Let's keep going. What is yeah! Yeah! Is Pacey giving us our, his top ten in the chat? What's happening? Is that what that is? I think this is maybe his 2016 list or something. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I see that. Yeah. 
His, All right, his yeah, number hell, two is Hell or High Water. Yeah. Hell, Jason, I, I, go to Hell. Hell or High Water should have won the Oscar that year, no doubt. That should have been the Oscar movie. That was that was best picture to, uh, of that. What year, year was that? No question. Twenty sixteen. Nineteen eighty four. Okay, that was Spence's number three. So that takes us to Roof. Your number three top movie of all time. My favorite MCU <laughs> film, my favorite comic book movie, and what I would argue is the best comic book movie ever, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. This motherfucker, don't miss. Every, everybody <laughs> talks about how Guardians of the Galaxy is the... Oh, am I frozen or is everybody... Oh, wait, I'm back. Am I no, back? You're good. You're good. We got you. Okay, I didn't, y'all all froze at the same time, so I don't know if it was me or what. Um, but everybody talks about Guardians of the Galaxy being the movie that... Um, was the one that saved, quote-unquote, the MCU, the one that was the first genre. Bullshit. Captain America, the Winter Soldier exists. It is the first movie that I can remember in the MCU era of comic book movies where if you take the name Captain America, Winter Soldier, off of Steve Rogers, you take his powers away, and it is a fucking great spy thriller slash political thriller movie. This movie is fucking epic. And... Now put back the comic book movie parts on it, and it is made even better. It is Samuel L. Jackson's best performance as Nick Fury. That car scene of his gets overshadowed because the elevator scene is so iconic, but that is just as iconic. Um, Robert fucking Redford as the antagonist in this is so damn good. Um, it actually brings Captain America to the modern time because the first Avenger, um, of course, it's it's when he was there and then bringing him back. He's like, oh, he's a man out of time. But actually what he would be there, uh, what he would be um, in the modern times still being really nostalgic and 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 really just looking at, uh, at at everything as it should be. But then seeing how fucked up the country is. And looking at Project Insight and saying this is this is, these are the seeds of where civil war is coming in. Um, on your left is just is 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 puts the 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 partnership between him and Sam just front and center. I love Natasha's role in this. Where I don't know what I don't know who said it, but somebody said that there's like this this romantic tension. There isn't. There's the, the this is the epitome of this is a friendship, a complete and utter friendship that works perfectly. Um, it doesn't devolve into the the CGI love fest in the end of the film. This is just an amazing action movie, a great comic book movie, and from front to back, just so damn good. Probably without not including like portals because portals and that scene is so good. That freeway site fight is the best action sequence of the entire MCU. Gunshots. Car chases, the hand in ha- the hand-to-hand combat between Bucky and Cap is so good. Um, I love every aspect of this film. Um, when he when when Buck captures you, you've seen in the trailer, when he catches that shield, and you just know you are just so in this film. Um, and the speech he gives at um uh, at the Triskelion uh Saying who's um, the people next to you, and when he are uh, could be Hydra, um, are you with me or not? And then of course Sam comes back with, uh, did you, did you rehearse that or was that all off the top of the dome? It, it just everything in this movie is great. Everything in this movie hits. It is 
the best comic book movie to be made ever. Yeah, I like this movie um, because, like you said, there's no like sky beam at the end. There's no like generic plot. It's a very personal Captain America. Like so many comic book movies, you could just like alternate like okay take this team or this hero put them in that story and it's the same thing it's just whatever generic plot like this is a very personal captain america story i just love the fact that the first one is him in his environment it's his his backstory of doing what he did best and they throw him in this future and this movie's all about can captain america exist in this world and what what, what is his place in this world and i think that's really well done in that spy you know intrigue genre uh, type of movie um i do love his relationship with natasha this like i don't think it is completely like non-romantic i think there are some like puppy dog feelings there but i think that's like her more like teaching him how to be like with like how to like interact with women you know what i mean in, like he in, in my head in my head there is very few male female relationships that don't have a little bit but the perfect yeah. platonic one is when you're like yeah, we know we're there. We're attractive people, and of course, there's this thing, but there's nothing there. Exactly. Nothing no, yeah, yeah. Lie. You know, it's not. They're not going to go. They're not going to go anywhere with it, which I I respect. You know, just because it's the, they're the the male and female lead, they have to go somewhere. I respect that a lot. But I think there is. It's it's a unique relationship. It's not just like, like you say, there there's an understanding of who they are, but there's a very there's something she's accomplishing something in his life through that relationship. Um, and she's kind of like, she's, she's like the, his guide through this world. Um, so she's almost like a, like a big sister type thing in a way. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's, I don't, not my favorite MCU, um, but I could definitely respect it. I do think it is that, that first one that took it from, okay, we're not just going to do generic comic book movies. We're going to do different things with this. Um, I agree with you there. Um, so yeah, if, if it's your number one MCU, I completely respect that. Everybody else on Winter Soldier. Yeah, I think uh, it's fucking crazy to have like three MCU movies in your top ten. Hey, Todd, what the fuck? Sorry, I was ready for that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I I just got a call. Like I see it. Um, They're all like. That good. I, I also think that like people are like, ooh, this movie's like a seventies thriller, like the 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 China syndrome and the Andromeda strain and all the president's men. And I'm like, no, it's fucking not. It's like, oh, what if Captain America came from like the fucking World War Two and was like, oh my god, what if like Nazis still controlled the fucking like government or whatever? And it's like Oh my God! What kind of a, a a moral choice would that be for him? And it's like it's still literally Nazis being like Hail Hydra. Like it's not a like complex choice for Cap. Ooh, you suck. At this point, it's not a complex choice for him. They are literally doing the fucking Sigil. It's like it, it, the movie pretends like it's like. Ooh, like, isn't this something to think about? What would Captain America do? It's like, yeah, it's still Nazis running the U.S. fucking government. It's not that fucking complicated. It's a stupid movie. I don't care for this movie. Go on. Hail Hydra said once by a computer whose brain is taken from another person. So no, Gary Shandling says it. I'm really tired, so I'll be quick. Uh, it's a real good movie. 
I feel like my love for the close by everyone who says the best MCU film, it's definitely top ten, just not number one. Uh, good movie, though. I like the movie, too. I do think it's one of the best MCU movies. At the same time, I'm sitting here trying to remember, like, specific moments and scenes from the movie that I like. And I'm kind of coming up empty. Maybe I just haven't rewatched it in a while, or maybe it's just kind of an in one ear, out the other. Yeah, it's technically really well done, but just doesn't sit with me. Um, I, I don't know. But I, again, I, I like the movie. My, my memories of the movie are very positive. All right. Uh, Jake, what is your number three? Best superhero movie of all time. My number three is Spider Man 2. Boom. Someone, someone the Australians. Scott already said it earlier, and it is the best superhero movie of oh, all time. Well, I was a little boy. Uh, like, let me guess. Like, so I was in the the fourth grade when Spider Man Two came out. I uh, like delayed my birthday so I could take all my friends to see this new Spider Man movie, and this fucking thing just delivered on all levels. I feel like I will never have a better time at the movies than I did seeing Spider-Man 2 with all my bros when I was in the fourth grade. Uh, Doc Ock talking to his hands, being like, oh, we shouldn't, but the real crime would be like not finishing what we started and like the the operatic nature of Alfred Molina's uh, performance is it, it, just a uh, perfect to the, the comic book Pekina uh, of it all. The Sam Raimi action sequences, particularly, uh, I think that a lot of people in retrospect like to point to the sequence where all the doctors are operating on his back and the Evil Dead style uh, sequence of the arms attacking them like, like uh, demonic vines, uh, where uh, someone is looking to a chainsaw and it's cross-cutting to their eyes and the chainsaw going up and, and reaching for the chainsaw and, and they're they're too slow and the chainsaw uh that gets captured by the arm and and uh yeah and you have alfred molina looking to the air to to god presumably and screaming oh, no and to me as a child uh that just sent like chills to my soul uh, I, I know two adults uh, who were watching this at the time with Childhood Jake were just like, oh, this is a they're, – they're really going for, like, this campy um, heightened thing. And it doesn't matter because to me as a, a 10-year-old or whatever, it was just like, no. They invented someone screaming to the sky and going, no. And – that's what this movie's all about to me. It, it works on every level. The the remove of uh, the, the the ironic remove doesn't matter when it's played so straight. And uh, yeah, I sorry, Kirk. You just say what you think about this movie. Did anybody else have this? I did. Very right, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree. I mean, I have the Dark Knight ranked higher, but the Dark Knight is almost not a comic book movie to me. So. This might be my number one comic book movie. Um, I just wish that there were more comic book movies like this. First of all, the look of the movie um, is so much brighter, more pleasing, all of the above than your average superhero movie today. Um, it's so much more sincere. 
Um, then, you know, your average comic book movie today, I think a lot of that is the performances of, um, of Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, you know, exactly what movie they're in. Um, and they give it that earnestness that the movie calls for and which, uh, I think makes the movie more emotionally resonant, um, you know, because of that. Uh, and you know, just the, the relationships work really well. Like the moment which always will get me and i wrote about this last time i watched it i think is um in the bank when aunt may thinks that she, that uh, peter has just like left her there even though he's gone <laughs> off to, to change into spider-man like that's just like that's a heartbreaking moment right because um i think the peter and aunt may relationship is so crucial to these movies um spider-man still I mean, that guy's pizza <laughs> and yeah i mean alfred molina his introduction, like when he just first comes into the movie, and he just has like that first scene with Peter and he's talking to him at the dinner table with his wife. Uh, like in that first five minutes, like he he's better than like, any villain in the MCU, like immediately. Um, just in that in his first five minutes of screen time. I mean, it gosh, I'm, I'm really nervous about what's going to happen in this next one, but um, they will not. Yeah. <laughs> They will not shatter my my memory and my nostalgia um, for this, which uh, it, it is to me. It has the pure comic book energy that I want from a comic book movie, and it is the product. I mean, you know, it has the imagination of its director. It is just kind of free spirited and not concerned about some larger universe or calculatedness um, in the way that a lot of comic book movies are nowadays. Uh, there was a time back in the mid-2000s where I would have called this the greatest superhero movie of all time. Uh, I think the main reason was is uh, what this movie does. I think this captures the spirit of who the Spider-Man character is, which is basically just like always trying to do the, the right thing and always getting crapped on for it and never having any breaks go his way and still powering through and always doing the right thing. I mean, that opening scene where he's battling deliver those, to deliver those pizzas and doing the right thing, and then he stops to go be Spider-Man and save somebody for a while, and then he goes and does everything again to get those, delivers, those pizzas delivered, and he ends up getting fired and just being told how lazy he is and you know how he has to do better when he's doing all that stuff. That is Spider-Man. That is who Spider-Man is. Um, also, I, th I love... Uh, Rosemary Harris is that May in this. Um, I think she's the heart and soul of this movie. Thank and you. her, there's a hero. There's a uh, there's a hero inside all of us. Speech is the best part of any oh, of these any of these so three good. movies. Um, so however, um, rewatching these movies now, this movie, the whole trilogy overall, but this one's particularly, it really does not hold up. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it. Um, I think Molina is great as doc ock but some of the stuff like that scene again i hate to disagree with you so directly scott but that scene where he's talking about reading poetry and then later when uh when peter tries to read poetry i'm like i'm cringing just thinking about it it's so bad and then just stuff and again i'm sorry to come directly at you jake but the um like the chainsaw is like hey it's a sam raimi movie because there's got to be chainsaws there's got to be chainsaws in it because sam raimi um looking back this is I, I don't think Sam Raimi was the guy. I'm sorry, Australians. Um, I'm really excited to see Alfred Molina. Australians? Um, I'm American. I'm I'm no, no, the, the Australians are big fans. No, the community. Um, 
the uh, uh, I'm really excited to see Doc Ock like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock with another director and another writer because I really think that character has a lot of potential. I just don't think um, and Tobey Maguire is just oh, and uh, what's her name Kristen Dunst are just rough in general. Wrong. Um, it's not Kristen Dunst. We know that because of multiplex canon. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, Rue, Rue, uh, and Spence. Uh, what's your takes on Spider-Man Two? Spence, go first, please. Rens. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. The I'm amount tired. of hypocrisy, <laughs> the amount of hypocrisy that just came out of Jake's mouth after talking about Winter Soldier, and then talking about Spider-Man Two is utterly ridiculous. Now. Give an actual take on these movies. Spider-Man 2 is great. The train scene is probably one of the best comic book scenes of all time. Uh, from him stopping it to them carrying him to the mask coming off to saying he's just a kid. I actually really also think that the horror scene of, of the doctors trying to take the, the arms off of him is a great Sam Raimi horror scene that fits really well into this film. I like Alfred Molina. But Spider-Man 2, to me, is probably the most overrated comic book movie ever. Because people say it's the best comic book movie of all time. And maybe it cracks the top ten. Maybe. It is dated as hell. Tobey Maguire is the worst Peter Parker ever. Pretty good Spider-Man. Whiny little bitch. Kirsten Dunst cannot act. There is no chemistry between the two of them. And you know who's even more of a whiny bitch than Tobey Maguire? Fucking James Franco as uh, Harry Osborn. He is horrible in this film. So bad. So just my, like Dane DeHaan did a feat by doing worse. By doing worse for him. And only because he was a horrible green goblin. When he was actually Harry Osborn when he first came back. That had some like actual depth and range to the anger and 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 the anger and the, the the desperation that Harry Osborne needed. While James Franco was an entitled whiny crybaby the entire time. Um, I really like this movie, but it is not even close to being the best comic book movie of all time. And it has both Tom Holland movies are. Ooh, ooh, sir, are just as good. Not far from home. Homecoming, I like better. And I already told you what the best Spider-Man movie is. Um, but this movie, overrated. And Jake made me put it even farther down now because of the bullshit he just reviewed. This motherfucker, don't miss. I can think of a Spider-Man movie that's more overrated than this one. My son, the absolute. Here, not here, close, here, not here, here's here, here's a clue. We talked about it already tonight. Okay, that's everybody. Number three. three. We got Scott with Little Women, Spence with Lulla Land, Rue with Winter Soldier, and Jake with Spider-Man 2. Tell me in the chat who had the best number three film of all time. Going into our number twos, we have Scott. Scott, what is your number two movie of all time? I'm not sure I'm going to make it after this last hour or so, but um, Inglorious Bastards. I think it might have been on everyone's list. Not mine. Oh, okay. Hey, the best movie ever. Well, Spence is wrong again. Um, yeah, it's the best Tarantino movie, obviously. Um, and 
you know, I talked about how Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was kind of, you know, a love letter to movie making in a way. And this movie is like, I think his most explicit one about movie making. I mean, movies play such uh, an important role in the movie. Um, you know, the whole thing sort of centers around this propaganda film, um, Nation's Pride being made, which kind of shows, right, the power of movies, but the power of movies for transmitting, you know, evil. Um, but also Shoshana makes a movie of her own to play in place of, you know, the end of Nation's Pride. She literally, or her, you know, assistant literally sets movies on fire in order to burn down the theater. Um, and then, you know, you have the metal layer of Tarantino using his movie to rewrite history, to revise history, to make the good guys win, make, you know, the basically the entire Third Reich um, get killed in this theater. So there's so much there about, you know, again, Tarantino just expressing his love for movies and, you know, he, how much fun he has making movies and showing off. And like, he's, he's one of us, like, you know, he's one of the, the movie lovers at the end of the day who, you know, just wants to be like, look what I can do, um, you know, with, with movies. Um, and it's, it's so much fun to watch, like Shoshana Dreyfus, her whole story, like maybe one of my favorite movie characters, definitely one of my favorite Tarantino characters. Um, Melanie Laurent's performance, like I always talk about this moment, but the restaurant scene where Hans Landa comes in, buys her the strudel and, you know, puts the cream on her and everything. And that whole, you know, the tension in that scene. And then he finally walks away and the little like strangled cry that she lets out um, at the end of that, you know, scene that she's been holding in basically that whole time. Flawless acting, um, you know, just just a little moment. And I don't think that performance gets enough credit. I mean, you have Christoph Waltz obviously gets a lot of credit. Um, and, uh, you know, thinking about it, like him winning on the Oscar back to back year with Ledger as the Joker, like you have two of the, you know, top five movie villains ever, probably uh, winning the Oscars in back to back years there with with Londa and with um and with the Joker, I mean, the movie's really funny, um, you know, all the speaking Italian stuff. And I don't speak Italian. That's right. At third most, um, you know, just so many, so many memorable lines. Brad Pitt, like the first time I watched the movie, his was like the only performance I couldn't get on board with. And now when I watch it, I pretty much think every line that he has is hilarious. Um, yeah, it's just like overwhelming at certain points watching this movie. Like I got to see it in theaters actually a few years ago. I didn't see it in theaters the first time around. Um, and like the night of the premiere, like Shoshana, you know, getting ready and the David Bowie songs playing, you know, she has the red dress on. She like walks out into the theater, the door opens and everybody's there. Like I just sat back in my chair and was just like, <sighs> Like, you know, this, like, that's it. Like, what more could you, could you want than what, you know, what, what this is giving you, um, you know, those set pieces, the opening is just, you know, terrifying and builds the tension so brilliantly. The, um, the scene in the speakeasy, um, again, it's, it's Tarantino's famous set pieces where the dialogue is the set piece. Um, and then there's just like this explosion of violence at the end. Um, yeah, I, everyone else talk about it. Just, did did you know, Spencer straight up Scott, go to bed? Scott, no, so I have it. Jake, what number did you have this? 
I have a 16. Okay, you're next. Go ahead. Okay, so this movie has a very uh, a special place in my heart, heart Scott. I, I think you, you, you hit on it uh, a very well that uh, seeing it on the big screen is a very different experience because so much of the movie relies on um, gaining revenge on the Nazis while they are watching a movie. And Tarantino understands that the more you relate with the pain that the Nazis are experiencing, the more satisfying it is. So watching the Nazis get murdered on a, watching a movie on the big screen on a premiere of this uh, propaganda film, um, what is it called? A, a Nation's Pride? A Nation's Pride, yeah. A Nation's Pride. Uh, you can relate with that being so excited to see these Nazis die on the big screen in front of you. And it's such a different experience. He, he understands that um, you can only get so much satisfaction from watching Nazis die in the most brutal way imaginable. You can watch a Nazi being scalped and it's only going to get you so far. The thing that's going to get you the extra mile of satisfaction from cinema is having well-written, relatable characters. And what's more relatable than seeing a movie on the big screen and enjoying uh, watching all of this carnage uh, ensue? And can you imagine watching all of this carnage ensue and then turning around and there's a, a Jew raining a bullet storm of uh, uh, machine gun fire onto you. Uh, he understands exactly what that is. Um, I, I think that uh, if Tarantino was a, 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 a dumber man, he would show us um, he would show us Nazis getting their their nuts cut off and their their genitals being mutilated. And at some point you would just throw up from the the amount of brutality that he was showing you Jesus Christ <laughs> right thank you right right but 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 instead um he he finds a way around and he says uh there's a nazi who says it's my my child was born today i love my family i have a, a family max. i love them i care about them his name is max <laughs> you know I, I, and that's that's a special thing that Tarantino understands about violence and capitalizes on it. And he says, no, you need to understand these Nazis are having a good time. They're talking about cinema. They're going to the cinema, much like all five of us. We all love movies. And that's relatable. That That's special. That makes us connect with these Nazis. And that way we can enjoy them all the more being dismembered. I had this at uh, 29. I'll just say this. I'm glad I finally get to say, hey, I know that guy for the last scene in the opening montage. <laughs> uh, top 100 for one, two. Hey, um, it is ultimately satisfying. Probably the most satisfying part is Shoshana laughing on the projector while the fire is going. Yeah. It just feels so good. And probably one of the best opening scenes ever uh, with the conversation between Londa and the farmer drinking the milk, him yelling Shoshana at the end. It's so damn good. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, this movie is just an embarrassment of riches. I mean, if you have a great movie yeah. that has one all-time iconic scene, it's like, oh, that's great. This movie has at least three. You have the opening scene that Rue talked about, just, I mean, a master class in building tension. I tried to show this, this movie to Kathy. She's never watched it because she can't get past that scene because she can't get, she can't deal with, like, the tension and just, like... I don't like, blame the, her. The, yeah, the disgusting feeling you feel, just knowing some of the horrible is about to happen and the way Landa just... Just, just he's like a like a like a cat, you know, playing with a mouse. Um, then you have the 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 bear juice scene with you know we're tickled to hear you say that getting uh, getting to watch Donnie beat Nazis at the close. We had to watch the, go to the movies. Um, great scene. Uh, and then you have the uh, the 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 basement bar scene again. Master tension, um, and then you—I mean—you could argue again more. You have the the, the scene in the in the restaurant with the, with the, with the uh, the cream. Uh, you have the the the, the shots of the, in the movie theater. Just so great, great scene after great scene, um, and then you have one of the all-time great villains in Hans Landa. I think one of the all-time great antag- uh, protagonists in uh, Alder the Apache. I think uh, this is a fantastic uh, Brad Pitt for performance. Uh, intentionally one dimensional though. Yeah, it's yeah. I think I think it's intentionally one dimensional where he's just like I want the Nazis to feel suffering and pain. But he <laughs> I play, love but he, that. Play, he plays it so well. Yes. And um just and it's I love comedy. I love Tarantino like just how like he doesn't care like he's going to do what he wants in his movies. And like I thought the whole thing when um with with what the the controversy with once upon a time in Hollywood with uh with Bruce Lee, I thought that controversy was hilarious. Because it's like the guy rewrote world history. Like he killed Hitler in a movie theater. You don't think he could write a character that could fight, that could beat up Bruce Lee? Like that's too out of out of left field for anybody. Um, but yeah, I love this. Is this is my top five? Uh, this is my favorite Tarantino. Uh, I get, obviously get so excited talking about because it it's such a, a fantastic movie. Um, Cody's but yeah, just so, so many great things about it. Uh, Spence, why are you wrong not having this in your top one? It's a great movie. It's four and a half stars. I have no problems with it. It's the better version of Tarantino rewriting history. Fuck Watson. That's, yeah, great movie. Really just great movie. It's just, I've only seen it once. Can I just say that I, I'm so glad being in a group of people who love movies that this has been elevated to the level of Pulp Fiction. It never seemed in the time that I was a kid, it was like Pulp Fiction's a classic and Inglorious Bastards is Tarantino's comeback. And it's like, no, Inglorious Bastards might be his best movie. And I'm just glad that in a group of nerds, we can all agree. No, that might be his best. That might be his classic. That I'll probably switch. I'll probably switch my rankings with those two. Fairly this might soon. be my masterpiece. Spence when I was a kid, I thought having the B word on a marquee was funny. Uh, my number two is uh, Aladdin. <laughs> so here's nice. here's the thing. I'm I'm really nice. tired. Um, when I was making this list, I had a really hard time sort of figuring out like what is my two. I knew my one. I've known my one for years. My like my two through eight were all like that could have been anywhere. And I sat down and was like, this is like the reason I landed on Aladdin, which when I first made, when I first made my top like 50, like five years ago, wasn't even on the list. This was the movie that made me happy as a kid. And I mean like child, like three or four years old. So every happy memory I have as a kid is this movie. It's like I'm having a temper tantrum. Or I had like a shitty day at school or all the kids there just fucking hate me. I come home and watch Aladdin. 
like my dog had kids, named them all after Aladdin. We kept Genie, then he got fucking murdered. That's a different story. Uh, like this is just to me, this is pure joy. I am. I grew up a massive Disney kid. I love musicals. Robin Williams was someone who I grew, like grew up on religiously. This is everything. <laughs> this is everything I need in a movie. Like, not as much anymore, but when I was up until I was like, I think 14, if I was sad, I just put on Aladdin and just sort of take it in and just be like, yeah, I'm in like another world and I can feel joy. And I just, I needed that. And I figured that's the perfect place to put it. If anything's going to be my two, this is it. If you don't like it, fuck you. I had this as uh, 46. Um, I love a poo. I want Raja as a pet. Robin fucking Williams. I, 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 I do want to say one more thing. Uh, when I actually like publicize my letterbox list for this, you'll see below my 100, there's four There's four things where it's like, if I could have had it on the show, I would have. Y'all should go watch Twisted by Star Kid Productions. It is like this from Jafar's perspective. It's like Wicked and it's fucking great. <laughs> and one, one, of, one of the, one of the Sultan's guards is just like, why did you fix, fix a socioeconomic I mean, economic, economic problems, Jafar? And Aladdin is a 33-year-old douchebag. And it's fucking great. Co- if y'all have, if after Thanksgiving and after y'all goes up to this fucking late night, go watch that. There, I cannot recommend anything more. It is maybe it's my top it's in my top ten favorite musicals ever. It's brilliant. Yes, Abu, not a poop. Uh anybody else have this? Nope. Okay. Uh yeah, this is my favorite Renaissance film. Probably my favorite Disney movie. Um, I love like it has like all the magic and everything, but it's also like got like a layer of grit to it. It's about street crime. It's about street criminal. And um, it never really loses that edge to it the whole way through. And I really appreciate that about it. Uh, Robin Williams, I've never been like the biggest fan of his comedy, like that, like just like, you know, stream of consciousness, like ranting that he does. Uh, but Genie is the perfect, uh, you know, basically avatar for that. And I think it was perfect casting. I think he's really great in this. Um, so, yeah, if I was going to put a Disney movie in my top 10, uh, this would definitely be the one. Uh, Scott and Jake, your thoughts on Aladdin? Uh, I just want to say, uh, seeing Spencer uh, stand up, uh, uh, Adelaide being so uh, like animated. Um, I'm tall. All four of you guys are, 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 are for a bunch of fucking movie nerds, you guys are all very uh, attractive. Uh, I just wanted to say, <laughs> Jake, you're married. Cut off, Jake. You're cut off. <laughs> I, I just think that uh, I think of Aladdin. No more think, martinis. Oh, what a sexy movie. Uh, Aladdin's so sexy. He's such a sexy little street rat. <laughs> All right. Scott. But, no, but, 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 but no, you think of like a bunch of movie nerds and I'm like, oh, like a bunch of dorks. And I'm like, nah, these guys like Rue, Spence. I really Kurt. thought he was going to talk about the movie. I really <laughs> thought he was going to talk about the movie. I really hope I almost, Cody is not watching this. Aladdin is Aladdin is a lot of fun. Uh, let's let's keep going. All right, uh, Amru, what is your number two? My Someone number said, two. Sorry, my number sorry, two. Sorry, someone said in the comments, "I'm wasted." Sorry, I'm just nice. <laughs> My number two will probably be my number one fairly soon, and it is blind spotting. 
Anybody else have this before we use? I thought I didn't. Okay, all right. This movie is fucking perfect. So, and a, a big reason it's perfect is because I lived the longest time in my life in Oakland, taught in Oakland for six years, and it is probably not. I don't know many other movies that represent a city, um, at least in the past twenty years, um, quite like Blind Spotting represents Oakland. When you think of Oakland. A lot of people think of one thing and one thing only. It's a dangerous city. However, when you actually live there, it is dangerous, but it is cultured. It feels like home. There's just the people are warm. It 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 has its own unique identity, and it is all that simultaneously. And that's what blind spotting is. Blind spotting is absolutely it is it it's a drama and a comedy that is probably one of the most quote unquote politically correct social commentary movies out there in the last um last couple of years and you don't even even though you it is kind of in your face you don't think about it at all as you're watching the movie because how much you are so into Miles and Colin's relationship how absolutely hilarious that beauty shop scene where he 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 sells the flat irons um, the boat scene when he sells the boat and the entire conversation is yay area slang back and forth. You're going to rip the, uh, hook the woo out to the rear view for 400 bands fast. And then he says, I don't, I, I have no idea what I just said. And everything sounds good. Uh, when you make it sound pretty, um, just, and, the, but at the same time that this movie is hilarious and heartwarming, it is so fucking intense. I just watched it again a couple of days ago. And there is a particular scene with a little kid that I know it's coming every time. And every time it's coming, my heart is just absolutely racing about. I know how it ends, um, but I don't want to see the scene. And it directly follows a scene where you're laughing at somebody for having a medium shirt on because the son gave his father the shirt of the showing of love. And the fact that they're able to balance the comedy and the drama is what makes it so great. But even more so is that as you're just watching this entertainment film, um, you realize what blind spotting actually is and the layers of, of how you your brain is trained when you see something to see one thing first and foremost. Um, and it isn't until somebody points out the rest um, that, that you see it, but your brain is always, always trained on that. And, and how that is a layer for people, how that is a layer for society, how that is a layer for um, the, the just race relations in this country. And the biggest example of that is the end of the film. Yes, that um, I, the, the last scene where Colin wraps all his frustrations out on the cop. It's so damn good. Every time I watch that, I, again, when I watch it, there are so many just technically amazing bars that he spits that you just don't catch um, until you see it again and again and again. But but even more so, the fight between Colin and Miles at the end, where uh, Col uh, Miles is this white cat from East Oakland who is loyal to the soil, born and raised, has the grill, has talks the slang, but that's because he's actually here. However, when you look at him, you see a white dude with slick back hair and you think, oh, that's another guy gentrifying the neighborhood. Then you look at Colin, big 
black dude with dreads. And you think, oh, he is the dangerous one. But in the rap, the final scene is this is the first time I've ever held, uh, I felt pressure on a trigger. And the difference between you and me is that I'm not a killer. The cop is the one that's killed everybody. And he has never, and this is the first time he's ever held a gun in his life. But you look at Miles and Collins next to each other, and Collins the one you automatically go to say, oh, he may be the dangerous one. On top of the fact that in addition to that, if you know David Diggs from Hamilton, you know he is just the, the, the nicest, most outwardly positive person. This movie is utter perfection in what it represents. It's utter perfection in how it's acted and in the comedy that it's fused. The narration of the scene that puts that shows why Colin went to jail is fucking beautiful. And also it's set in my trivia bar in Oakland. So when I first saw it, I was like, I know that place. I brought my friends there to go play trivia every Monday. It is just absolutely amazing. And if you've never seen this film, Scott, I really hope you did finally get to be able to see it. It is fucking brilliant. Retweet. Uh, this I think is maybe like one of, if not the best films that perfectly balance comedy and drama and Rupert went that really well, like literally in a scene, it could be really like genuinely having fun. And honestly, like the, 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 the medium shirt bit shouldn't be that funny, but I, uh, Raphael Casal has just like this really, not Raphael Casal, um, I mean, it is Raphael Casal. Uh, no, uh, oh, Carlos Lopez Carlos Estrada. Lopez Estrada. Just masters just how like turn, like turning a simple joke to something just genuinely funny because you care about the character, and you turn around and it's like this heavy moment of drama, and it's on a dying perfection. But even beyond that, like um, I think the, like to me the like the reason the movie works is like it came at a perfect time and like as, it's like speaking like just on race on race relations. I think it's very educational and and entertaining while also just being a very harrowing story. But I think that for me, the like the reason that sort of like stuck with me is the nightmare sequences, of like taking taking uh, Colin's fear, and what we can understand what it what it means normally because like we've seen it, we've seen it a lot in the news, but seeing his version of it, like like the art in his mind of him being locked up in a courtroom, vomiting bullets, unable to speak as as his as his white friend speaks for him. It's horrifying in all of the best ways. There is very rarely a film as good as this. And I am still shocked that I saw it. I saw it the same day as eighth grade, fun fact. Uh, and it's just, this is a magnum opus of filmmaking that I'm shocked. I think a first time director was able to pull this out. Just masterpiece. Yeah. I've never been to Oakland. Um, I don't know much about it, but I can tell watching this movie that it is like a definite love letter to the city. That's very obvious, and the city's a character, and I really like that. Uh, I remember seeing the trailers for this movie, and it focused on, um, you know, it's him witnessing the shooting, and it kind of didn't give much. With I'm like, okay, it's going to be that kind of movie. It's that that's the movie, and then I watched it, and I was blown away uh, by what this movie did. Just the fact, I think it was like actually like pretty brave to take that basic uh concept and then make it you know three-fourths of at least like a straight comedy um i was not expecting that at all um but it's still like through the comedy the drama is building and i like that like you see with miles like his frustration over all the gentrification is 
uh, at first, like played for laughs, and then it slowly builds and builds and builds and kind of explodes. And then same with uh, uh, with David Diggs. He, you know, he's uh, you know after the shoot, he comes in, he's like, oh, I saw a guy get shot yesterday. You know, like he kind of plays it off, and it's like, you know, that's how real it is. Yeah, and then it's then it's like there's there's you know there's so much humor going on. Like even the scene in the in the uh, in the, with, with him getting fired, like it's such like a serious like traumatic moment in his life for so many different reasons, but it's played like it, like this, the, the scene is played like a joke, like not a joke on him, but it's played for laughs. Um, so just that, like Spence was saying that, that blend of comedy and, uh, and drama and the ending that rap, like a lot of like 99% of movies that would try that would fall flat on their face. Um, but they, they set it up so subtly throughout the movie that it works uh, when you see it, uh, and when it would have finally happened, you're like, "Yeah, I buy that this this is how he would communicate," and the, you get that frustration and that emotion coming through. And um, it just so happened to me, I watched this movie um, the the night there were protests in Pittsburgh. Uh, Antoine Rose, uh, the the Antoine Rose verdict came through, and there were protests going all over, on all over the city. And that's that's the night I watched this movie. So I mean, it was you know that that was you know made it so much more reality to me. Um, but it was very much like I said. Like I said, I, to just the, the way this movie's crafted, um, I've never seen anything like it. Um, I think it was one of the best movies that year. Um, and definite, real quick, definite. real quick, the reason why that um, the comedy works for such traumatic, actual like events is because that is real life for people who live those lives. All the PTSD that you see from Colin, all the trauma that they affect, the way we they get through it, because. Like I only have a secondhand um, relationship to this because I I grew up with privilege, but I know people who've lived that, and what they do is they laugh their way through it. They laugh their way through it, and they laugh their way through it together, and that's why the comedy being a part of that is what makes it so real and makes it so good because that's the reality of life. Scott, Jay, so. You gotta- so yeah, earlier I said there were three movies I wanted to watch. I only watched one of them. This was the one. Um, such an interesting movie. Um, different from anything I feel like I've ever seen before, um, which is always a huge plus for me. Um, I'm definitely still processing a lot about it because it's not something that you can just like easily just after one watch, you know, be like, oh yeah, I know exactly how I feel about this. Um but I, I, I mean, I, I really like so much of it. Yeah, the, the scene that I really like was one that you mentioned, Rue, was when the guy is basically recounting the whole story of how they went to jail uh, or, you know, the events that, that led to them going to jail. Um, like, just so entertaining to listen to. Like, they take these real-life people, real-life situations, this day-in-the-life type of thing, and it's made so cinematic uh, in a way that, like, I've that few films have been able to, to manage. Like, this is not like a lot of the day in the life movies that I've had on my list where it's like, they're just setting the camera down and letting it happen. No, like they want to make this like cinematic. They, like, this is a movie. This is not just, we are showing you in a day of day in the life of these people. I think I still have some questions about the third act. Like I do think it's convenient to that. They end up in the home of that cop um, you know, who, yeah. who is the shooter earlier in the movie. Movies and happen, I think that, some things work. Like, I think there are moments where, you know, it's pretty on the nose, like 
the dialogue slash rapping. But again, I, I'm torn because at the same time, I understand they want to be in your face. And so you like have to be explicit about these things sometimes when that is the approach that you're going for. So again, there's a lot of things I still have to process about it, but it's such an interesting movie. I really admire it. Um, there's a lot of moments I like a lot. Um, I'm glad that I finally watched it. And I think um, it could, you know, I rated it four stars out of five. I think it could definitely go higher on rewatch. Yeah, I haven't seen this yet. I'm like, um, me, and my my wife and I are obsessed with The Wire right now, and, and it sounds uh, adjacent to to this type of thing, um, where where we're just like, how could watching The Wire? We're thinking about how could a movie ever capture the nuance that um, of the 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 soul of a city that the the wire attempts to capture with uh baltimore and uh i i, I don't know what what the answer to that is but i, I haven't seen this movie yet I, i'm excited to see this movie based on everyone's description all right jake what is your number two at number two i hope someone yikes is this uh if not i feel like i should automatically win it's a wonderful life your mom, I don't think, no, I don't think anyone had it. Yeah, oh my god, you sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I should automatically win, Kirk. This is, should not be a competition anymore. Um, this is a movie that I, I watch annually at a Christmas, as a, a lot of a, a Wonderful Life uh, fans do, and I basically start crying in this movie immediately because I, at this point, uh, having seen it uh, 20 times or so, I, I know exactly what it's doing. It is punishing the main character of the movie for being a decent human being and looking out for uh, others above himself, which is something that I, I, I feel... Uh, Basically, no other movie captures as well as It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is the story of a man who puts others above himself and looks out for the greater good and is is basically punished for it by the cosmos. And um, he decides at some point to take his own life reasonably so uh if you see the movie that uh the the world is is so cruel to him N none of his his dreams are, are are fulfilled because he is so concerned with the the lives of others and and how he can improve those and he he decides to kill himself. Uh, so a, an angel basically uh, intervenes and says, "Here's how bad the world would be if you didn't exist at all," and shows uh, our our protagonist George Bailey, played beautifully, incredibly can't be overstated by a Jimmy Stewart, uh, who uh, at, at his break point where life just has him by the balls. Like life might have a lot of us, Amaru and and, and Kirk and and Scott and Adelaide, 
as life ever had you by the balls and you just want to smash and 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 um did you smash my balls I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> basically you muted yourself oh basically critics at the time couldn't understand why Jimmy Stewart was this character who is so decent and then raged out so much and smashed a bunch of stuff in his house and they were like critics at the time were like this is a bad performance in 1946 they were like what is he doing this isn't the same character and it was they just critics at the time who were watching movies just weren't on the level of jimmy stewart losing control of himself from sheer dissatisfaction of life the fact that he sacrificed himself so his brother could be a war hero. So all these immigrants could have homes. They didn't understand that this decent human being could turn into a monster and scare his children at this point. And they were like, Jimmy Stewart is so off. Why does halfway through the movie he snap? I don't understand. And um, I think that's remarkable because I think that's how we, we all sometimes feel inside and and th this movie that captures the cost of sometimes putting others above yourself in a way that i think no other movie since and it's not a movie that i'm like oh from 1946 this is special for this time in 1946 there was nothing else like it it's like no there was nothing else like it since there's nothing else that is just like, guess what? The 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 price of, of being decent and and trying your hardest to make the world a better place is sometimes that your life fucking sucks. There's nothing else like it's a wonderful life. And, and that's what hurts so much about um, this movie. And it's only the last third of this movie that actually shows uh how jimmy stewart improves the world around him by being this decent human being i i could talk about this for an hour and sorry kirk we're already so long into this and i just send it over sorry. to you um this movie so brilliantly spends the first two-thirds setting up so much right and i love those just when after when he's being shown all those callbacks to how right. they, you know the little subtle things that changed in all these different characters' lives, you know, you don't realize you know when you're watching it through like how it's all going to come back around. Um, I watch this movie every year. Every year, yes. I tell myself I'm not going to cry, and every year I do. It's either it's either when he pulls out the pedals on the bridge, or it's when Mr. Gower walks into the, the house chemist and he and he mouths Mr. Gower and he has that look on his face, or you know my to my brother George Bailey, the richest man in town, gets me every freaking time and i hate it but i love it oh. so much this movie is fantastic uh we talked about mr smith goes to washington um the 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 capra stewart stuff shouldn't work it should be corny and cheesy and we should laugh it at hurts. It now but we don't because it's so good um there just something about them they do it right stewart's great in this uh everybody else and it's a wonderful life Kirk, you, you 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 nailed it in less words than i could i wish i could say it as concisely as you did <laughs> I uh, had It's a Wonderful Life on my list for a while. I really love this film. Um, it's pretty damn brilliant. It's another one that my mom has been watching for years. Um, and I watch with it. Amber, put it back on. 
the fuck, dude? I would support your list so hard. <laughs> very, very great movie. Timeless for a reason. Great message. I don't have anything else to add. I should automatically win. Go on. Uh, but does yours have a genie in the rug? Uh, <laughs> this is fantastic. A genie uh, in the rug? A genie in the rug. Does my movie I remember have a when genie Cody Newberg used to hate this, and he does it now because he's alive. That was weird, yeah. This is like a perfect movie. Uh, yeah, if you don't like this, you're a bad person. But also, you should rewatch it because I don't think you are a bad person because people are good. Uh, we got that. We got we got one. We got one each for one each for left. Let's go. Cody right, seems like a, no, no. It confused me actually. Like when I first found this community, that Cody hated this movie. I was like, Cody seems nice. What the fuck? <laughs> like, how could you hate this movie he's, and be he, nice? He's come around since. Okay, everybody's number two. Scott had a glorious bastard. Spence had Aladdin. Amaru had blind spotted, and Jake had its wonderful life. Why do you always put your uh, order in? If not, let us know what the best number two was. And here we are. This is it. Ten weeks in the making. Four hours and 45 minutes in the making tonight. Everybody's top movie <sighs> of all time. Scott, what is your all-time number one movie? Don't let us down. Kirk let me tell you something. Both so handsome. I have wanted to order some code reds on some of you tonight, um, but I have not because I am not Nathan Jessup and none of you are William Santiago. It's my favorite movie of all time. A few good men. Uh, nice. So, Scott, yeah. the Scottest movie ever. I could have called this if I was like, uh, pick a movie that is Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, this movie has influenced me as a person, my life choices more than any other movie for, for sure. Um, you know, to, to start with that. Um, and, you know, people always talk about the last, you know, courtroom showdown in this movie for obvious reasons, right? It's an amazing scene. Uh, it has the you can't handle the truth line. It has did you order the code red? Um, it has all of that stuff. But I think that scene is only as good as it is if you have the context of the rest of the movie, right? If you understand that, like, this is it for Kathy, right? Not only does the entire case hinge on what he does with his Jessup questioning, but his career um, hinges on this, right? Like, this is a high-ranking military officer. He cannot just put him on the stand, accuse him of a crime, and, you know, without any basis for it um so there is so much suspense and there's so much tension and that's because the rest of the movie does such a great job of you know building that up and you know they introduce markinson right and markinson you think oh this is going to be the witness who saves the case nope he kills himself and you know then they still have downey's testimony downey melts down on the stand yeah you know it, basically again they're at their they're at their wits end um and, you know, it, it is all riding on this. And that's what makes that court, last courtroom showdown so much, so much better. I also love that this movie just sort of like validates the experience of all the characters. Like, Kathy is the great litigator, right? But he is always like, I want to settle the cases out of court. Like, he doesn't, he's not really interested in fighting for what is right. He just wants to get a result. And Joe is not that talented as a litigator in court. I mean, we see that during the scene where she actually tries to object. Um, 
you know, over and over again and keeps getting shot down. But she is the one who actually believes in these people. And she thinks that Kathy needs to be fighting for what is right, not what is the easiest. And they are nothing without each other. Um, both of them are needed in order to reach a just verdict. So it really validates the experience of like all types of lawyers, the one who, the ones who can get up in a courtroom and argue and fight and the ones who, you know, are behind the scenes, but, you know, have that belief in, you know, what, what is right and that passion to seek what is right. Um, Tom Cruise has just never been more charismatic in this movie. Like you should hate this guy because he is so, you know, cocky. Um, but with Sorkin's dialogue, something about Sorkin's dialogue and just his delivery of it, um, you know, he just has that, it, he's cocky, but he has that charm about him. And, you know, the when when Sorkin dialogue is performed right, it sounds like music and it, it sounds like, you know, a symphony in this movie. Um, what else can I say? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I did probably burn myself out at this point, but I've talked about a few good men before it's you know it's my favorite favorite movie um it it will probably always will be it's been for going on 10 years now um it's the movie that means the most to me i think it's the most entertaining movie um and yeah i i love it i can't believe we were here but uh yeah a few good men we did it joe um I rewatched this movie the first time in a long time. Uh, I got a lot more appreciation out of it. I do think this is a really good movie with a legendary final scene. Um, that final scene is so great. Like, I just love just what a chess match it is. Like, they're just like, kind of like, okay, we're going all in on this and we got, we have to get this result. And just them moving the pieces around to get that result. Just how, you know, just him and Jessup and then they're back and forth. And even how like the judge comes into play and his attitude towards everybody and how they work that, like all those moving pieces have to come together. I think it's a great, just great, uh, the way it's written, the way it's directed, the way it's acted. It's just a perfect scene. The rest of the movie is good. Um, but I don't think it ever reaches that height. And you're right. I mean, it, it is building to that. The whole movie is building to that scene. Uh, but I feel like there's some like in dialogue and things like that, a few whole performances, holes that can be poked in it, um, but it builds to that fantastic lesson. Other thing I didn't realize, because I hadn't seen this in years, I didn't realize how little Nicholson is in this. I think this movie yeah. could, I mean, he, he's great in the scenes he's in, but he, I think he's only, what, like two or three scenes altogether? Um, I I mean, maybe more of him would kind of like spoil the movie, but I, I'd I, I was hoping for more of him because I really like his character in this. Um, but overall, I mean, I, and I get obviously very big Scott pick and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, tell you you're wrong for loving this. I know I understand exactly why you do. Uh, everybody else with a few good men. The Scottish pick of all time. I, uh, I, I wish I would have called it now. It's just that like you picked the Scottish movie you could have picked up. Uh, Scott, have you, have you seen Bridge of Spies? I haven't actually. What, Scott. We should cuddle over this movie. Uh, why is that? Why is that a big deal that I haven't seen Bridges? Scott, I don't want to be a dick, but we should cuddle over Bridges. Bye. Hey, Todd. What the fuck? Okay, I'm so good uh, A few good not, men. Not, not in a sexual way, in a in a friend way. Jacob, shut you off. I'm cutting you off. 
because I'm getting tired. You are. A uh, few good men is a good movie. I I enjoyed it a lot. Go ahead, Spence. Uh, uh, do you agree is... that Bridges? Everyone... Can we just talk about a Bridges? Shut up! No, we go ahead, Spence. <laughs> it is just good. I think it's a. I think it's a pretty over. I was. I'll say a little overrated. Really overrated by you. I get why you like it, but it's also like. I don't know. There's nothing for me to grab onto other than him just drinking a fuck ton of chocolate milk, which like vibe. You you who? Yeah. You who specifically? You. It wasn't a deep cut question. Go fuck yourself, Scott. Uh, It's I. I have no like strong feelings about it. I actually like Tom Cruise in it, but that's really the most you're gonna get from me. I I have one more thing. Um, I had like um, my 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 buddy. He wanted to do like stand up forever. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, like, try, like, stand up with you. And um, I had a joke. Scott, look at me in the eye. Look me in the eye. (laughs) Where I was like, oh, um, my my joke had to do with uh, the movie Injustice for All. Right? Okay, so, you know Injustice for All, the Al Pacino. All right, uh, all right. Shut up! Spence, what's your number two? (laughs) Number one. Or number one, I'm sorry. What's your number one? I'll number get to this one, in a second, I promise. <laughs> I should win in Kirk's heart. Because I picked a movie about Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's being a wallflower. Uh, I'm going to sit down for this because I'm going to get depressing for a second. Uh, <laughs> I watched it for the first time in high school. And I genuinely wanted to die after I finished. Because it rem- like Charlie is very much like freshman year me. Of, I felt very lost and quiet and reserved, and like didn't have the best childhood. It's like how do I how do I fix this? And then I found friends, foreign concept right now, and I realized how good humanity humanity can be. And it's like no matter what your friends went through, all the trauma that they suffered, they could still be there to support you. And I really needed that. But I was still depressed because I got to the end of the movie and yeah, Charlie's life isn't perfect and yeah, everyone moved on. But I realized that even in the end of it all, even when all the tragedy is there, you could still be happy and know that you had a good time. And I couldn't grasp that. And it took me a couple of years. Um, I think I mentioned on the show before, I had I used to have like Inception and the Dark Knight and like my top two, like, oh man, I fucking love Christopher Nolan, da, 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 whatever. And I had I, and I watched this on like a first date with uh, a partner of mine. And I just sort of sat there and let it wash over me, like how important this movie is for me. That like no matter how like bad my depression gets and how lonely I feel, like I can just look at Charlie and be like, it gets better. No matter who leads your life or what you're going through, there will always be someone there to support you, and I need that shit. Uh, and this, this is this is this is the kind of movie where it's like, you can always dislike a film, and that's fine. If you don't like if you don't like this film, that is okay. But if you're gonna genuinely undermine it, go fuck yourself. Because and this and this this is the reason I'm trying to be like net less negative about films. Is this this seems pretty innocuous for most people for me. But when you, but when I sit down and like really talk about what it means, like I we shouldn't be putting down how important movies and art can be to people. And I know this show is a representative of that, but like this is it for me. Whereas like, I 
needed this in my life and I don't know where I'd be without it. So at, at this point, forever and always, number one. I like how you, you set that up where no one could say anything. You can slag it off all you want, but just like, I am not, go- I'm trying to be less negative and this movie taught me that. Good, Scott. Well, I'm not going to slag it off. I had it on my list as well. Yeah, I think this is another one where like, kind of like Sing Street, where there are questions, like you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Like the way that they just like, take him in so quickly and without asking any questions is a little like, uh, I don't know that that would really happen. However, what it gets absolutely right and what is absolutely authentic are the emotions and the feelings. And that's the most important part of a coming of age movie for me. And like, yeah, just that last monologue he has when going through the the tunnel um, is beautiful. Uh, it, it really is. It's it's one of the movie scenes I will always remember seeing for the first time because it left such a strong impression on me. Um, but yeah, it's not afraid to go to some dark places. Um, it recognizes that being a teenager, growing up can be a really dark time. Um, and it, it acknowledges that, it validates that, um, but it also, um, you know, speaks to the the bond and the salvation that you know finding your your friends finding your people at this time of of life can bring um and so i think that's something that a lot of us have experienced uh and i think the movie yeah i think it gets i think it gets all of that right the specific emotions and feelings like i said are are uh, are all captured perfectly i uh, i did go through that tunnel few years ago but i didn't realize i was going through it until i got out of the tunnel and i looked around like as soon as i came out of the tunnel i looked and i was like oh my gosh like i i of course i knew it was in pittsburgh like i but it just like i i never i never processed like oh this could be the tunnel in the movie until i like got out and i looked around and i realized oh this is exactly what you're looking at at the end of the movie so but it was still a cool moment i'm gonna interject with that um for those of you who don't know, I mentioned it on the show, I think, last week. I went to Pittsburgh uh, and hung out with Kirk, and the, he made sure we had to go through the tunnel. And full, like, sympathy, Kirk is going to be, like, a ride-or-die for the rest of my life. Because he, he went out of his way, drove me through the tunnel, put on heroes, and shut up. And I could just sit there and... I'm not the most comfortable, like, feeling emotions in front of other people. But just every part of my body wanted to just break down in joy. Because I could finally just feel, like, I was, I, I found, like, my, my love of movies, again, going through the tunnel. And the reason I'm going to love Kathy as well, she took a video and sent it to me. So if I'm ever feeling like shit, I can literally just watch that video and sit there and be like, I... People in the world care about me. So, Kirk, you're the fucking best here on the planet. After Mike Hanley, you're number two, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That's textbook pandering. Let me be sappy, fuckhead. (laughs) Perfect. No, that was... Unacceptable! That was an awesome moment. I was so excited to get to, get to do that for Spence. We were so excited to get to that for Spence. Um, I love that. That's, I mean, first and foremost, you know, Rue was talking about his Oakland movie. This is very much a Pittsburgh movie. That that ride through that tunnel and that view you get out of it is through the four pit tunnel is just the iconic Pittsburgh moment. 
and I'm like fortunate to get to, not to do it all the time and to um, get to share that with Adelaide, knowing how much they love that movie and how much that moment means to them was amazing. Uh, that said, uh, the movie itself is really solid. Um, I love how it's about like falling in love with people, but not necessarily like in a romantic or sexual way, just like falling in love with like these people, like finding your tribe. And that's such a, uh, that's such a unique thing. You don't see a lot in movies. Um, just like really like just grasping on those people. And again, it's another thing where it's like, you, you know, it's fleeting, you know, it's not going to last forever, but it's what they need in that moment. Um, like the scene where it starts to dance, like they're all just like, they're playing, come on, Eileen. Uh, Emma Watson's so good. She's a manic pixie dream girl, but it's like in a realistic sense. And it's like, it works. Um, so yeah, I think this is a, just a, a, a really good movie. Um, I think it's a, a real, again, I'm not a big coming of age guy, uh, but this one works. Uh, Rue and Jake on Perks of Being a Wallflower. I've seen it once. I enjoyed it. Um, but it also has Hermione not having to be Hermione. So that's always a plus for me. <laughs> Much little yeah, women, then. Hearing you guys talk I'm about going it, to. I, I promise you, I'm going to. <laughs> like just like over over ten weeks, I I I, I have to, um, Kirk. At some point, I I have to I have to meet up with you at some point and see a movie with you at some point because it it, it hurts me to hear Adelaide talking so lovingly there their feelings uh, about you uh it, it, i gotta do that it, it, it's true um well, I, I, I didn't cuddle with kirk so it, 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 <laughs> i'm in danger we're not quite you and scott but like we're almost there <laughs> I, I i i don't know if um i conveyed that the the cuddling was was fully a joke uh my my, my wife would would I'm sure I love Kathy, uh, Kathy, who 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 is as 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 dry and cruel to me as my wife is. <laughs> there would be a perfect match there, uh, dryly like, like Jake. What the fuck, like? Um, but yeah, Jake, I haven't seen actually seen this Rue. one yet. I'm very excited. All right, uh, Alamaru, what is your number one of all time? Um, it's Inception. This motherfucker, don't miss. No. Um, I just talked about how blind spotting may take the number one spot, but getting ready to talk about this movie just brought up all the feelings I have every time I've seen this movie, and it's the reason why it's my number one. This movie is the movie that got me to want to write about movies. This is the movie that got me into, basically got me into this community. This is the one where I sat there and my mind was absolutely blown to no, I just went and researched just for like weeks upon weeks upon weeks about theories and stories and, and where all the, I, I looked at all the behind the scenes stuff. I just wanted to know what was in Nolan's mind, what kind of theories there were and i just absolutely am enthralled with everything about this movie i love leonardo dicaprio as the lead uh elliot page is a great um uh character to kind of juxtapose to the crew in itself um i think joseph gordon levitt's dry humor in this is great 
Um, it's where I figured out that I had a man crush on Tom Hardy. Uh, you must you must be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Um, and then just the the, the, the dream with upon, when we actually get to the action sequence of, of dreams upon dreams upon dreams with the the hallway rotation and the being able to to use the kick at the right time using I think it's Levant. Um, what's the name of the damn song? I want to call it Levant Rose, but it's not that. Um, but it's it's basically it it's, it's a pretty close about time. It's 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 same singer. Um, but that just using that with the seeing seeing um, the the truck go at the same time as the the gravity hits with the hallway and then the avalanche in the third level. Um, Ken Watanabe is very subtly weighty and strong in this film, um, and everything I love about movies with with when there's action, there's great characters, there's uh, a puzzle to be solved, there's just make things that make you think. Um, I just probably I said Oceans is one, the one I've watched the most. Inception is the one I've watched the most, just because I get so much joy out of watching this film and watching the layers unravel um, with the story. And yeah, I, I don't I don't mind anybody saying like you don't connect as much with the characters, but I connect with all of them because I just love going on the ride with this film. Um, and the score, the big bong, it's just, it, it gives me joy every time I hear it. Um, so it, it, Inception and Blind Spotting are going to be 1A, 1B, one, one day, one, one over the other. But I, this is the movie that like anytime it's brought up, I'm like, well, I got to go watch this now again. Um, I absolutely adore the hell out of this film. Um, and, and I will never stop thinking about it. Who else had Inception? No one? I think everybody did. Oh, I thought it, no, I, I, so. I thought you liked that. Okay. Um, I think it's a fun movie. I think it does a lot of cool stuff. I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, unfortunately, the only problem with it is it's this may be the movie more than any that suffers from hype for me because I didn't see this movie right away. I didn't see it in theaters. I rented it when it came out on video. And the entire time, like when this movie was out until I saw it, I had people in my ear. This is the greatest movie of all time it's going to change your life it's going to change the way you watch movies and i was just so built up for it that the first time i watched it it completely fell flat and i've watched it multiple times since and it's grown on me but it still hasn't overcome everything that was built up for me and like just what was in my mind and what i was expecting um but again i could see it like it's such a movie type of movie if you know what i mean like it's just so big and so high concept um that i'm not going to say you're wrong like it's teetering on that point like for me like i always say like nolan is a great 2000s director and a very mediocre 2010s director this is right on the cusp for me um he's not going downhill yet but he i like a lot of his other stuff better uh but i understand your pick everybody else on inception yeah uh, um I, w- I just want to say I-, I love inception but um that uh, I was like worried about my number one pick, and I'm like, ah, like Amaru is the only one that like came up with like a pick that I like maybe expected in the the number one spot, and everyone else like I don't know, like suck suck my pick. <laughs> hey Todd, what the fuck? Um, I mean, Inception is a fantastic movie. Um, definitely one of those like theater experiences you never forget, like where. 
you know, seeing it for the first time where it's like, you feel like you're watching movies do something that you never knew that they could do um, until you, until you saw Inception. Um, so in that regard, you know, the world building, the visuals, the spectacle of the whole thing, uh, you know, the construction of the story, I think it's all brilliant. I will say it still falls near the middle of my Nolan list just because of that emotional thing. I think, I think the stuff with Leonardo DiCaprio with Dom and his, you know, grief with what happened to his wife. I think that stuff mostly works. I don't really care about that many of the other characters in the movie, sadly. The stuff with Killian Murphy and his dad doesn't resonate for me. Um, And that's the reason why it's, you know, it doesn't rate higher. But again, we're talking about one of my favorite directors. It's a four and a half out of five star movie. It's, you know, a groundbreaking movie. And I totally understand why someone would have it as their number one movie of all time. So I get like I said, I used to have this as my number one, and it was probably in my top twenties for top one hundred. And then I like shuffled things around, but I rewatched it uh, like mid last year, and I had built it up so much in my head that on that rewatch, I'm just like, you know, it's not what it was, and I just took it off entirely because I didn't feel genuine putting it on here. I think on a, on like a third watch, probably my list because like it's a fucking amazing movie. So full respect to you, it's just not on my list because I. Didn't want to lie about my feelings towards it. All right. Uh, Jake, you've been uh, teasing all night. We're finally here. What is your number one movie of all time? All right, you, you fucking losers with your fucking dumb movies. Oh, oh Inception. Oh, number one. Oh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, you dumb fucking idiots. It's the Phantom of Paradise. That's the best movie of all time. Hey, Todd? What the fuck? <laughs> okay. So, the best movie of all time is a little film called The Phantom of the Paradise. If you're wondering, oh, is this like a fan of the opera? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like the fan of the opera. If Brian De Palma directed it, Brian De Palma of Carrie and, um, um, what was the one that Scott picked? Um, the Untouchables. The Untouchables, right. Uh, right. Uh, so there's all of this um, technical uh, skill going into this. But it's a, a little bit the Phantom of the Opera, and it is mostly Faust, if you saw my hint. Uh, my, my hint was a picture of simply Faust. Uh, I, I thought no one would get this. Um. But it, it, it's the story of, um, well, the movie starts and it is a voiceover of describing this music producer in like dark voiceover where it's like Swan. He is like the voice of a generation. Like his like musical taste is unparalleled and whoever he chooses is the next like Beatles or whatever. And then the movie uh, uh, basically uh, goes into this this man who who chooses to sell his soul for rock and roll. Um, <laughs> if you've seen it, I have a hard time describing this. Um, to to an adult view, I would describe this movie as a comedy. 
to my modern self, I, I, I would describe this movie as a satire. Um, <laughs> but what, when I, when I first saw this, I took it, it very straightforward that, um, this, this, it was the story of Swan, this music producer who was almost a, a, a little person, um, from the seventies, like this, um, uh, I, I I guess he wrote music for the Muppets mostly is what you would know him for. Uh, Rainbow Connection is probably his most famous song. He he wrote all of the the music for for this movie, and and it's the the story of this man selling his soul to um, gain success in this uh, surrealistic music industry where phil specter is uh like this um evil godlike force that uh can 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 just rain on humanity and um i i'm having trouble describing this scott scott have you seen this is what you predicted that i would pick it was but unfortunately, this was the other movie on my uh, list of movies to watch for this episode that I didn't get to. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> but I knew this was it. Uh, right. Yeah. So I watched this. Uh, and, whoa, boy. Um, I was surprised. I looked it up. Like, this came out a year before Rocky Horror because honestly, the way I would. Uh, I honestly I would uh describe it as a rocky horror knockoff but with like a lot less charm. Like this movie's all over the place. Like the music isn't very good. Um the story is just bananas and I I, I was thinking like oh at least it's a uh at least it's a De Palma movie. It might get sent from that. Nah. Like this is I understand like you like camp and you like uh you know out there stuff but this is number 1. That's that's a hard pill to swallow, Jake. Um, has anybody else seen this? I've never even heard of this, it. but no. I, I do want to watch it. Um, I will probably try to watch it soon again. I, I was trying to squeeze it in before the show, and I just couldn't. Kirk, but but, but you kind of you kind of got to get it though, right? Like it, it is like such a Jake movie. <laughs> oh, it definitely I, is. I'm surprised. I, I, I'm surprised I, it wasn't on Tubi. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it's also a Canadian favorite, right? Like, um, this this movie was a, a cult classic in Winnipeg. <laughs> I did read Cameron that. Holtzman does not like this, so you're wrong. Rue, Rue, have you seen this? I don't think so. All right. <laughs> was that a rhetorical question? <laughs> well, on that note, that rounds us up for the uh, all-time top 100. Uh, I got to give out grades for this week. Uh, and this was tough. I'm going to go from last to first this time because this is the big important one. This was tough. Everybody was really bunched together. I've been, I've been sitting there staring at this list for the past week, trying to figure out who's going to come in, uh, who was going to come in, uh, wherever. Uh, but I think I landed on it. Uh, fourth place. I hate to do this because they talked me up so nice for the last movie. I gotta go with Spence. Uh, just because you had the weaker spots in uh, what? Spot. Uh, I- I'll-, I'll explain. You had her. Uh, number three, 
I went to a different state, motherfucker, and you put me last. Uh, that's what it was all about. You were just using me for YLS places. Uh, number three was Jake. I'll tell you what, Jake. You were you were cruising in first place. You had some bangers on your list. Then one step away from the finish line, you just wiped out and face planted with that fat of paradise pick. Uh, you had like five or six fantastic movies on your list. Uh, you but didn't that get lot, it. That number one killed you. Uh, number two is Scott. Scott had both okay probably the worst and best movie uh, of the week in uh, Before Sunset Glorious Bastards. So cancel each other out. Other than that, he had a very, uh, uh, very strong uh, list. Uh, Rue had the just top to bottom. Had I had no complaints. I had nothing bad to say about any of Rue's movies. That's why Rue gets number one. Three because, Avengers movies, honestly. Because out of everybody here, he had. No, nothing. I had anything to say terrible. About. The rest of you had at least one bad movie on your list. Rue did not. Rue gets number one in the top ten. That's where we're at. So now, uh, everybody in the chat, thank you for sticking around. It's been a long episode. Thank you for uh, being here. Thank you for staying. I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week. Wrap up episode. These guys here. Springcast here. Top. Uh, we're going to go over our, their combined list. We're going to name this winner. We're going to name overall 2020 winner or 2021 winner. It's going to be great. Much shorter show next week. Uh, much more laid back. We'll see you then. Have a good night. Happy things. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. Run, get angry. Come on, break the lousy cup. Ow! I hurt my arm! Bob, and I'd expect everybody to do everything. I'm going there soon, you know. Is that so? Where are you going? Uruguay. Well, you go Uruguay and I'll go mine.